Beer EDU Podcast, Episode 78. Play Yay with Brianne Fennel. Welcome to the Beer EDU Podcast, the podcast for educators that love to learn and share ideas with fellow educators over beers, with your hosts, Kyle Anderson and Ben Dixon. Hey, Ben, how's it going? Good, Kyle, my friend. How are you? Hanging in there. We are back with another episode of the Beer EDU Podcast. This is episode 78, Ben. Yes. Wow. I can't believe that. So, Hey, I am Ben Dixon. You can find me at bdixonnv on Twitter and Instagram. And you, my friend? I am Kyle Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at AndersonEdTech. Same thing on Instagram. My blog, www.AndersonEdTech.net. My book, To the Edge, Successes and Failures Through Risk-Taking. And you can find out more about that on Instagram at ToTheEdgeEDU. And then also ToTheEdgeEDU.com, where you can find out a little bit more about that and places where... You could possibly purchase the book. There we go. So, hey, this is the Beer EDU pod. So the first thing we got to do is talk about what beer are you drinking? Yeah. So we got beers like normal. So right now I have a pretty interesting one. It is from Craft House Brewery in Las Vegas. And, well, technically Henderson, but that's a suburb of Las Vegas. So um, <laughs> it is called Urban Panda. It is a Schwarz beer which is okay. <laughs> a style we did back in episode 42. Okay, oh, so it's, okay. it's been a while since we did this yeah. one. I had to, I, I felt like we'd done that yeah, and went familiar. back and uh, looked and yes, it was episode 42, but uh Schwarz beer, it's a black lager. Okay. 5.3% ABV, 23 IBU, lots of roasted and toasted, nice little caramel notes to it. Very clean finish. When you look at this, if you're on the Facebook live or you can actually see it, it is very dark and you would think, oh, the, that, that's not a lawnmower beer. But you know what? Mm-hmm. Actually, this, this might be a lawnmower beer. It, well, yeah, 5.3% and 23 IBU. That's not, that's not super overpowering at all. No, and as a lager, it, it's, more, yeah. it's got more of that refreshing finish than it does that one that kind of sticks to your palate a little bit. So, no, this is deceivingly drinkable. It's, it's very, very good. I had it on draft at okay. the brewery recently and then – my friend that was with me, he bought a four pack. And then when we okay. got back to my house, um, he actually left one of them there for me, like a good oh, friend. Nice. Does. Right on. Well, so you, uh, my I, friend, you I, went with, you were inspired by our last episode a little bit. I, I did a call back here. So I went back to a uh, last episode where we, you talked about Bach beers. And so I went with Rogue Brewery, which you can't go wrong. I've never had a bad uh, beer from Rogue. So I went with their Dead Guy Ale. So it's a 6.8% ABV, 40 IBU. It's a Malbec style. Um, but they, what it is, is it's, it's you got that malt, that strong malt finish, but they use some hops to kind of, for bitterness. But I, I it's still got that nice malty kind of sweetness at the end of it. So definitely one that when you, when we did that episode, I've forgotten about this beer. And it is one of my favorites. Yeah, I, I think back to when I really started getting into craft beer years and years ago, exactly when that was. I, I don't know at this point. but And I can remember having that beer and remembering it being pretty good. And then I'd come across it every now and then. And mm-hmm. I haven't had it in a while. But yeah, that's one that you're right. Rogue is one that they don't make a bad beer. You, no. Yeah. 
they're no, definitely it, one of the upper echelon craft brewers around solid the West. solid oregon beer right there so hey it wouldn't be the show if we didn't have a guest so we have a guest for our show yeah we have, let's welcome brianne fennel to the show brianne, hey, brianne. How goes it hi guys it goes well it's very nice, nice hot summer day in ohio and i'm glad <laughs> to be here, guys so, well awesome. well hot summer day in ohio i'm sure it is very hot but is it hotter than nevada <laughs> mm, she has humidity so let's play the yeah. hot game what yes so what is the temperature there brianne <laughs> oh okay i gotta look at i gotta look and see what temperature it is right now and we, more importantly you, what's the humidity that's the game <laughs> yeah so so while you're looking at that right now i'm at about 109 but what's the humidity um probably about Two. three <laughs> yeah yeah and it was it was like 85 86 today and i think the humidity is like five it's it's only right now it's only the high was 93 but okay. it says unhealthy air quality which right. is never good uh and then the humidity is 51 percent okay see yeah no <laughs> so it's like so you're 93, you're 93 in my brain, you're 93 beats his 109. That, I absolutely agree with that. <laughs> yeah, 51%. Oh. All right, so, well, again, welcome, Brianne. Yes, Thank you for joining us. So let's uh, hear a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I am a first and second grade looping teacher in okay. Ashland, Ohio. Um, I am a mom of two little boys and I am an author. I have um, a couple books and another one that's releasing from EduMatch on the 22nd of this month. Wow. And um, you can find me on Twitter at PlayYay or on Facebook at PlayYay and Instagram is at PlayYayAuthor. Somebody took PlayYay on Instagram. <laughs> kind of I kind of want to like find that person and be like can you just skip that <laughs> That'd be great. usually those people usually those people go yes I will give it to you for five thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like I'll keep the author at that yeah <laughs> it'll be fine it'll be just so I'm um, with you on that because when yeah. I started I had my blog and I decided to go domain with it I wanted andersonedtech.com and somebody already had it so right. then I just bought net and that's just been kind of my thing and I'm like I kind of want the dot com though, and I want to know who that person is because if you type no. that in, no. it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> it's not a person. Right. It's a, it's it's these these companies or whatever. They just buy hundreds and hundreds of domain names, and then they'll sell them back to you for a really expensive price. Right. That's how the game's played. So, um, so you talked about. Let's go back to kind of your first thing. Like, so you're yeah. a looping teacher. So for our people that yeah. don't know what looping is, I mean, I was a looping teacher, and I love it. So tell us a little bit yeah. about that. So looping teachers stay with the same group of kids for two years. And so, okay. um, you know, I get them and they're pretty much kindergartners still. <laughs> and then I release them to the third grade teachers at the end of that second year. And then I go back to, okay. oh yeah, I gotta remember that they're, they're just <laughs> kindergarten. And, yep. But it's, it's an amazing process for like building relationships right. Um, with kids and families, like students that have experienced trauma or stress, okay. anxiety, um, really do well with the looping situation right. because it's like that consistency mm -hmm. that they that they need. 
So, so does your whole grade level loop then, or are you the only one? Well, you'd have to have another teacher that does it with you, but. When I first started it in the district, um, it kind of just put like somebody retired and I went to second grade and Mm -hmm. you know, it kind of was like a movement thing. And then, um, there are actually a couple of teachers now in my building that are interested in doing looping. And so I have a a partner that goes on the second grade side and then we have a a K one loop started. And so the first grade kind of gets changed up all the time, but just an amazing, like amazing group of people. So I'm glad that it's like, you know, becoming, you know, more popular and because I just think it's really great for kids. No, I, I, I would definitely, um, as a teacher, I looped well, when I was a kindergarten teacher and I moved to first grade, I couldn't take all my first grader, my kinders, because right. there's just too many of them. But, um, but then I looped with my fifth graders to sixth grade. And then I also looped with fourth grade to fifth grade. And I loved it. I love the fact that you could start. I love the beginning of the school year with that second year was like, there was no like getting it. It yes. was like, boom, let's go. You guys have done this. Let's go. And, and, you, and we ended the it's year. Like so seamless. Yeah. yeah. And you can end the year because I knew what we needed to do. In the, and I'm sure it's the same with you. You know what you're going to be doing in the fall. So you're like, I'm going to prep you guys now. So you, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see the research because I wonder if there's less summer loss of learning because the kids, the teachers know exactly what they have to, to get ready for for next year. Yeah, I'd love to do like some more research. Mm-hmm on it like with even within my group like how you know how is this experience I mean for the most part like for me um you know I get you know good feedback like this was a great experience this was so Mm -hmm. good for like my child I'm not like some people will say like well I'm not sure like if my my other child would have done as well in this environment but this was really good for this kid um uh I actually did something uh, last year when I was in between first and second grade, um, we did summer meetups. Okay. And, and so to even like keep that relationship stronger. And that was the first year I tried it and it was wonderful because cool. I did like, I picked like five different things and got some input, but like one of them, we had read the book Matilda, mm-hmm. um, in first grade. And so our local theater, the Mansfield Renaissance was putting on a production of Matilda. And so we were able to go and like experience that together. The kids were able to like go backstage and talk to the actors. And it was just an amazing, it was, that was great. And then we did some smaller ones, like the local parks or the splash park. Like we just met up different places like that they could walk to if they needed to, or um, and then several times throughout the summer, like some kids were on vacation during the one, but it was like enough that each kid was able to touch base at some point during that right. time and keep that relationship going, you know, not just with me, but with each other. Oh, that's good. That's well. And I, I think something you mentioned earlier and I was, I think, I think previously when I was in the classroom and thinking about that, it was, a, a, my thought was like about academics and everything, but you brought up like the whole kids in trauma, kids, kids in uh in home situations that might be a little more unstable than maybe another child's that, that consistency, I, I imagine would be super helpful for them. Absolutely. It just really, um, kind of solidifies that, like that bond and that consistency and that, like Mm -hmm. knowing what to expect. And, you know, I love my kids and I have really high expectations for them and they, Mm -hmm. they meet those expectations, like, because they know that they're in a safe place. So. 
Cool. That's awesome. I, I've heard of this before. The closest I've ever experienced to looping is years ago, I taught 11th grade U.S. history and 12th grade government, and I would get a few that would repeat the following year. And what it, it wasn't as seamless as having the entire class come over, but what was helpful was I would have that class where I had six of them out of 30 the previous year. So when I was starting to build up my expectations for the class, I could rely on them a little bit to a, they, where they could, right. uh, you know, just kind of confirm that's the way I roll and you know, those kinds of things. And then the other thing I've experienced was as a social studies teacher, U.S. history at the time, I had an English partner where we met to plan cross-curricular activities and whatnot. Right. She had the same students as I did. So, I mean, not exactly like my fourth period class was her fifth period class, nothing like that, but it was all the same students were with her as well. And it just made things so much easier. And it was an extra set of eyes to, you know, mm -hmm. see if a kid was having a bad day and to check in on them. And it was, it was a great experience. And then I also got to teach with one of my best friends at the time too, Jamie Ross, and she's flat out amazing. So, so I can only imagine how amazing the whole looping thing is. Yeah, it, it is really cool. I, it, it would be interesting to see. And I, it's funny, I've never really thought about looking at, I, I'm sure there's a ton of research out there that probably shows like, how is it beneficial and, and, and stuff like that. So that is really cool that, that you have the opportunity to do that. So, so not only with that, then you're also an author. So not, not only are you learning, you have to know two curriculums, but you also are an author. So um, tell us a little bit about those. Yes, absolutely. So you saw my. <laughs> I did. I saw. <laughs> yeah, I was my cracking up too. <laughs> if you're on Facebook Live, we just had a. We did. He, he's taping another show across the hall. He just came up for a guest shot. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so I have this book, um, Play Yay, and it has. Um, this is my son, Lucas. Lucas didn't make an appearance, but he can come uh, over and say hi. He's like dying to have his own podcast. I'm oh, telling sweet. you, he wants to be like a YouTuber. He's got the oh, flipped yeah. hair. I mean, he's just really, he's got the headphones around his neck. So anyway, at one time <laughs> he was this super cute little baby and I wrote a book about him and uh, I have another book. The next book that's coming out is play a baby talk. So both of them make an appearance in the next book because I couldn't write a book about one kid and leave right. the other. <laughs> that might be bad, like later on in life. Yeah, you know when they're when they're looking at me. Yeah, and then when they're I in have, high school, they're gonna remember that. They would. They would <laughs> for real. And so I did not write a book about Mario. Oh, didn't well, you know, do that. Everybody loves Mario. I know. Okay, and so then I have this other book. It's called Choose Your Cheer, and it's really about kindness and um kind of using your gifts to help other people and so i've been working um with uh sarah thomas who okay. is the founder of edumatch and it's been an amazing like she's a phenomenal leader and just so like cool and down to earth and the first time that i had talked to her about my books and my ideas you know she was like um she was just like, that's cool. That's cool. like, she just like loved my ideas. She was, you know, so supportive and continues to be so. So I couldn't have made a better decision than to work with her. And then I got to meet some amazing people <laughs> through, <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, um, <laughs> through the edge match community. They are, um, 
just so supportive of each other. And, you know, there's a lot of negativity online and it's just so nice to have a group of people that, you know, like are rooting for you. Mm-hmm. Well, and I can imagine like when you write a book, that's, it's, 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 you're going beyond putting out a tweet, putting out something on Instagram, even putting out a blog, you're putting, that, that is a ton. And I know all the work that Kyle put into his book and how much time it takes. And then you kind of put it out there. It, it sounds like it's so good to have a support system. Whereas you, maybe some authors are like, okay, you put your book out. Good luck to you. Right. And that's the thing, like when you write about people that are so important to you, mm-hmm. um, like such as your children or mm-hmm. like an idea that that is close to your heart, it is very vulnerable to put that mm-hmm. out in the universe and let people judge it. And to have people that are like supporting you and behind you, that is a really important part of the journey. Yeah, it's, um, that's, a, that was one of the biggest things about writing the book. I'm sure you went through the same thing was that doubt in the process about what if nobody likes it or, mm-hmm. you know, what if uh, people just tear it down instead of finding some value in it. So, and and that's something that, you may have the same experience now where you may still have those doubts even after the book has been published. So I know I still do. So, um, and especially right now there, my book personally has not been doing very well. And there's, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Part of it's because I haven't been plugging it nearly as much as I could uh, because Mm -hmm. I just feel like there's a lot of things going on in the world right now Mm -hmm. that are way more important than me promoting my book. Mm-hmm. So, but at the right. same time though, I know that as long as one person gets something good out of my book, then I've done a service to that one person. So is that, is that kind of like the way you feel about your work as well? I do. I feel that way. And I'm kind of going, I signed a project with um, Sarah for my first book. That's not a children's book. And that has been an even bigger process for me. Like, I know that I want to do some more work in like the professional development. I want to share more of my stories of looping and care and trauma and like all of the, the background knowledge I have. And Mm -hmm. that is where I'm like, I'm not totally in my comfort zone, but I know that I need to push myself. I'm kind of in that direction. I am, I'm collecting stories right now for a book called The Mighty Mentor, and it's kind of all stemmed from, I had this amazing mentor. We'd mentioned Ashland University before. Um, and she passed away a couple of years ago. And like, I just find myself, like when I'm doing things, um, like uh, all the things I'm doing with the Teach Better team, who is another great support system. Like I just, when I'm doing exciting new things, like I feel myself like wanting to call and talk to her about it because that's what I always did. And I can't you know, I can't do mm-hmm. that. And so this book kind of is like a way to like tell her the stories of the things that are happening and like, like kind of celebrate her mm-hmm. as a mentor and let other people celebrate their mentors, whether they're still here with us or not, or, and mentoring, like I, it's not just, I'm not just looking for stories of like that teacher student relationship, but I mean, professors, supervisors, coaches, like whoever that person is that you like when something really exciting happens, you want to call and talk to them. Mm. So that's kind of my, one of my side projects that I got going on right now. So 
if you're listening and you have an exciting story about a mentor or even like there's a part of my book where it's like kind of when you're placed with a mentor that, that mm-hmm. it doesn't quite fit um right. and like how you like I feel like you realize a lot about yourself and like your style teaching if when you're placed with somebody who you're like this is definitely like not the direction I want to go in and like how you right. kind of turn yourself around from that that's yeah because I think there's two schools of thought I mean around that mentoring it's like there's a there's definitely a school of thought that says you you find your mentor you find somebody that that kind of that kind of speaks to you as a, as a professional but then there's also that school of thought of, of just finding of somebody putting you with somebody and I can see I don't know what are your thoughts on that I mean as you as you look at this book what are you what are your thoughts um I think that some of the most meaningful relationships that I've had have been ones that have kind of developed on their own and not like a, a placement of a mentor. Um, I definitely know that like I've connected a lot with like student teachers and I Mm -hmm. still, I try to check in like with my student teachers still, like that's one of my, one of my goals for one of my teach better groups um, one of the things that I was working on last week was just like connecting with them. Like, Hey, how are you doing? Like I had a student mm-hmm. teacher at the end of this year during right. COVID who I was like, listen, there's no playbook for this. We're just going <laughs> to run with this. So it was, um, you know, she did a reading lesson. She did a math lesson. She right. did a science lesson. And I'm like, you put all that on your resume because yep. you, what you did is, you know, something that nobody's ever had to do. Mm-hmm. And you made the effort and that was the biggest thing for me. Like right. she didn't just drop off because she could have, you know, right. they, they kind of told them like, you know, just kind of give your, your mentors a break and they're trying to figure things out. And, you know, right. she hung in there with me. So I was like, definitely wow. kudos to her. And, um, I you know the kids knew too, like she showed right. up for them. And so cool. that to me was, was wonderful. I kind of went, I went sidetracked there. No, no. Well, I just, it, it is interesting because I, because I have, I've, I've talked to people who have, like in my case, as a student teacher, I picked the person that, because I was, I was fortunate enough to be working in the school already. Um, I picked the person, but then I can also see where maybe it would have been good to pick some, I would have been placed with somebody who might not have, have matched my style. Maybe that would have been beneficial for me. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's always good to kind of see, see the other side because it might be something that like, uh, sometimes it's, you really wanted to want to try something mm-hmm. that's not totally in your wheelhouse. And I, right. as teachers, it's like, it's part performing arts. And so it's oh, yeah. like, you have to kind of have that stage to be able to practice some of those right. things that you'd really like to try. And right. sometimes having that right mentor can kind of push you into mm-hmm. doing that or give you like the the support right. and the, the encouragement to do that right well and I, and I was and I was thinking and about myself and then also as a as a as a first year principal they they would give you a mentor and it was weird so my my mentor was another principal very similar demographic school but she and I had worked together she was a first grade teacher and I was the custodian at the school where I did my student teaching so she and I knew each other from way 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 back so it was really cool to kind of reconnect so I don't know I don't know Kyle what do you what do you think I mean what are your thoughts on that you've done mentoring and had mentors absolutely so well 
kind of going back to the student teacher for this year, I also had one that started with me uh, last week of February, I think. I got to work with her for about two weeks before the COVID <laughs> shutdown happened. And either anybody that student taught this past semester is either going to be the most overly prepared teacher of all time going into whatever school is going to be, or it's going to be the complete opposite. Because while we all did a lot of learning on the fly and my student teacher did a phenomenal job working though mm -hmm. that last few weeks until uh, she was done with her assignment. Um, she's already got a job lined up for next right. fall. She actually had that halfway through student teaching. She interviewed and got a job. So she already has a job lined up. So wow. that's great. But at the same time though, I feel like I probably could have prepared her better, but at the same time, my hands were tied. I don't right. know what, right. I don't know how well prepared she's going to be. She did a great job, but going to a, say we go to a regular situation where I had her for two weeks. I, I don't know. So I personally think she's going to be great, but you know, I can't say the same for all other student teachers that went through this at this time. So, and then as for, like the placement mentors, sometimes those are also hit and miss. You, you don't know. Like it could be a situation where I got lucky, got placed with someone my first year teaching, and we hit it off. And she and her husband are some some really good friends of mine now. And uh, we were talking before we started recording, and they're actually in Ohio, not far from you right now, Brianne. Uh, that's where uh, my friend Mike is from originally. They're not far from you. But uh, at the same time, I know people that have been stuck with mentors that it just hasn't worked out. It's, it's almost like I, I liken it to when you go off to college and you get assigned a roommate and they could be your best friend for life, or you can move out in the middle of the semester. Like one of my <laughs> friends did because their roommate was such a nightmare. So, so it just, it really depends on the whole situation. Men mentors are very important. That, and I feel like they should be mandatory, not just necessary, but again, you're just not going to have that situation every single time where it's going to be perfect. Yeah. So, so, uh, Brianna, will you tell us, tell us a little about the Teach Better program. You talked about that. What is that? Yeah. So the Teach Better team, um, you can find them on Instagram, on Facebook, um, on Twitter, but the, the way I got connected with them was uh, through Mastery Chat on Thursday nights. Okay. And so they, they have a, continuous chat on Thursday nights and then they kind of do a Facebook live after to recap and that's how I got connected with them um, but just recently um, I became a teach better ambassador and so there are 25 of us now cool. and um, it's just a program where I can connect with the other people on teach better team and I can tell you about some different things that they're doing like um July next what is it next Tuesday yes I don't want to tell you the wrong thing I gotta look next Tuesday yep next Tuesday they are doing a live event and it is free um and they're gonna have a bunch of different sessions and so mm -hmm. their um their big motto is just like we're better together and so mm -hmm. there's a lot of different presenters on lots of different topics that you can choose from and you can choose from, um, I think it's two different sessions. And so when you go down the list of people, there's definitely a topic that would fit with 
you know, something that you're going through or something that you're experiencing or something you want to know more about. So um, they have a conference and I presented last year at the conference, but this year's conference because of COVID has been canceled, but we're looking forward to 21. Okay, cool. Cool. So it's just like a, it's a, basically a network of, of, of educators helping other educators. Then. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yep. Cool. Don't worry about the, the dates with the wrong dates because this actually will be posting <laughs> after the fact. So yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll just have to get a little update and put a disclaimer well, about how it went or something. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. And Master Chat is a pretty, and it's a big, that's a big chat. I mean, that's, that pulls a lot of people on Thursday night into, into those discussions. So it's definitely one if, if people listening have not checked out, it's, it's definitely a, a good chat. Yeah, the one um, that I got started with on Twitter is the Book Camp PD. Um, oh yes, and, and that is a that is one that I've yes Meredith. Meredith and I used to Meredith and I used to work together here in in Reno. Yep. Did you really? That is she amazing. Was, she was a principal and I was an instructional coach for our district, and my job was to support the school that she worked at. And she was a principal. She was a principal in our district, and I got to, got the chance to work with her. So yeah, I've no I I know Meredith. We've known each other for a long time. But I, <laughs> it is I a actually, really small world. Yes, it is. I love that chat because like That's I have, good. I am a reader, like an avid reader. And what I like about the chat is that there's always something to do with the books. And so right. I feel like in my brain, like when I'm doing something with the book, just like kids, like mm-hmm. if I'm reading it, that's great. But if I get to do something with it, like right now they have like our last chat right. for June, there was a bingo board. And so you can yep. do different things on it. But, um, that's what I love about her is she's, she's also just super passionate about books and helping people. And yes. um, it's just a great chat to like, if you're just starting out to mm-hmm. go on there, grab the book and, you know, join in and the people will welcome you. That's what no, I would agree with you. I think it is one of the, it's that's Sunday night or Sunday. Yes. I'm trying to remember West coast time. Um, but it's, I know it's, five, I believe here on the West coast, but yeah, Meredith does a great job and she brings in a lot of good, um, good books, good authors. I know she has, and and you're right. It's more than just a chat, like a typical chat where we have, you know, three or four questions. She has more, it's more involved. I would agree with you on that. Ben, how have we not had her on this show? I know, I know. Meredith Meredith and I talk. I know. <laughs> Meredith and I talk on Twitter and, and we and we go back and forth. But yeah, she is somebody, Meredith, and I know she probably will watch this. I hopefully you should you should be on our show too. Good job, Brian. See, she's gonna get us guests too. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I love that. So then are you so then you're involved on Twitter? Are you how are you? Um, is that newer to you or, or have you been doing that for a while? And how do you how do you utilize that in your professional development? Um, I have been involved, I would say two or three years on Twitter. Like I had a Twitter name like in college and, but I really started getting involved with Twitter when it came to education. And so with social media platforms, primarily my save Twitter for education purposes. And that way, when I look at Twitter, I know that my feed is going to be something related to education or books or something that's happy and uplifting. And so it's nice <laughs> to have that right now um, because I know there's lots of things out there that yep. 
um, are not that way. And so like Facebook, I have more like my family and friends right. and, um, you know, Instagram, I have two different accounts. And so okay. on play a author, I'm going to share more education or play right. or things about kids and babies and childhood development and, and on my personal one. So I think like that's something even like, I think advice to new educators, like save maybe some of your platforms for more education purposes mm -hmm. and kind of keep your other stuff in another place just so that you can kind of like put those into pockets, if that makes sense. Right. I know some no. of my stuff crosses over, but. Right. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think there is a place for, and I would, I don't know, Kyle, we've talked about this. I mean, my Twitter is definitely my professional education I mean, there's some of my other stuff on there, but yeah. no, I would say, I would For say sure. that it's mostly. Yeah, I would say my Twitter account, uh, I could count on two, my two hands, how many accounts that are non-education related. Yeah. So whether it's, uh, you know, like a sports team or a band or something like that. And I don't even think, yeah. I don't even think I have bands on Twitter to tell you the truth, because a lot of bands, they tend to go I, to the Instagram route. Right. So now my Instagram, and that one's relatively new for me. I've only had that for. I don't even think I've had that for a year yet. And that one's pretty half and half where I'm following a lot of different yeah. bands. And um, I love, I love Pennywise and face to face and less than Jake's feeds on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So they're great. But then I get things like the play a feed. I get that one. And then I <laughs> right. get, um, you know, some other educators on there too. And then I'm posting, you know, the typical food pics on there and stuff, but I'm also posting education stuff and Insta right. and Facebook it, I would say it's probably 75 personal, 25 education, but I'm starting to realize that I do have a lot of educator people on there that I've mm -hmm. never met before. Right. And I'm still getting requests for people I've never met. And I've actually started denying some of those just mm -hmm. because I'm starting to think to myself, you know, I think I need to clean my Facebook up and Brianne, like you said, kind of keep that one more for myself mm -hmm. where, um, you know, because I don't want to open the door to, if I say something on there and somebody disagrees with and have it turn into the anonymous shouting right. match right. that Twitter can be sometimes when you right. put something on there. So I don't get super political on, on social media to begin with, but I mean, there's definitely some things that have been happening in the last couple of months that I have spoken out about. I mean, whether it's been politics, whether it's the black lives right. matter movement. And I've basically told people on that, that platform that if you disagree with me on these things, we can have a conversation, but if you're going to be racist, if you're going to be a bigot, if right. whatever, just unfriend me now. And right. I, I have looked at my Facebook now and started to kind of pare back some of those people that I don't know because I'm just, just because they're an educator. And I've right. also, I have blocked and unfriended people that I thought right. were good people and that have said awful things too. So, so it, yeah, you're right to keep in separate pockets, Brian, it's a great idea to do so. It is, it is. I've heard both. Uh, yeah. And I, it, it is one. Yeah. My Twitter is definitely professional. My Instagram, I would agree with you. It's more of a mix. And my Facebook is just like a, I don't know what Hodge it is. Pod. It's a, tr yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and Punky I will tell you, skateboarding, and I, punk music, and, and I am friends with, and I am friends with a bunch of people that I grew up with, skateboarders, tattoo artists and stuff that sometimes put, I'm like, Oh, please. I don't want that on my feed. Do not tag me in that. Do not. Cause then I also have, I have teachers on there. I have, right. I have some of my parents that are, that are, that, which is really weird because they've connected with me prior to me even being their principal. We just, because of the circle 
of how you know people, you just end up with people on your Facebook page. So yeah, I'd, I would agree with you. I think it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't use Facebook as much as probably other people do. Um, but I definitely use Twitter. I think Twitter is to me, and I tell everybody this, if you're an educator and you're not on Twitter, you are missing probably the best professional development you're ever going to get because it, you can, you can put a question out and you will get an answer from somebody who knows something and then they will send you something. And most time it's for free. So. Right. Yes. And the other thing about, um, about the, whole Facebook thing. I don't know about you guys, but like, I'm just at my son's at an age now where it's like, mm -hmm. there's this intermixing of like, who mm -hmm. he attends the same school as I right. do. And so it's like, where's that line? That line? Yes. Right. And like, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, right. partake in anything that I wouldn't right. care about anybody seeing, but it's right. like, you know, trying to find that balance now right. of like, friends and colleagues right. and his friends and and right. parents but we live in a small community i'm i'm super lucky because we do have a an amazing community but like you said we kind of want to keep those yeah keep those pockets of of different things and i know some i mean some of them might go and find me on twitter but right i don't know oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> I've, I've had that too and i'm like whatever you want to see what i you know talk about for education but yeah, it is, it is interesting. It'll be interesting to see. I wonder as we move forward into next year with, with however schools are going to look for everyone. Um, I think people are now, maybe people that weren't as comfortable with this format are now becoming more comfortable with it. And they're realizing like there's a whole world out there that you're missing if you're not connecting beyond, you know, beyond Facebook and, and, and those kind of things. Because there is a whole professional development side to it. I just don't, I, I mean, personally, and I don't know, I mean, there's tons of people out there that I follow on Twitter that have these amazing Facebook uh, profiles and what they do. But to me, it just, Twitter just seems like a better way to do. The things that you talk about, like the skateboarding, and I heard tattoos and bands <laughs> and stuff. It just feels like I'm at home. Like this is like my husband and my kids and all the things that, that yeah. they enjoy. One of, the, one of the things my husband was the most bummed about was some of the concerts that he was going to go to that have been canceled due to covid yep yeah there's a bunch of that stuff yeah that is the that's the set i know i'm like the rest of it i'm like great i can't go out to eat i don't really care yeah but i couldn't go to no um, and the good news is aquabats that, uh, that's uh, what i wanted to go see <laughs> oh yeah you and i were supposed to see real big fish and aquabats and we couldn't go see that one aquabats is the greatest real band ever aquabats i'll have to write aquabats that. so you're you, okay so aquabats. aquabats this is just for all you parents out there aquabats had a tv show a kids tv show and it's hilarious it's like one of those tv shows that you watch with your kids and the kids it's funny for kids but then it's also there's it's funny for adults they fight monsters and stuff it's like uh power rangers with i don't know funnier power rangers <laughs> that's and real and real big fish is just a fun upbeat ska band you know quick yeah. quick punk riffs with trombones and saxophones and trumpets yeah. and it's it's good fun so but yeah there, there's other concerts that were supposed to happen that couldn't go to but i see where some of them have been rescheduled already like no effects and pennywise's punk in the park is going to be back next summer now and yeah. then uh i know the megadeth lamb of god and inflame show that i wanted to go to yeah. that's been rescheduled for next summer so um tell your husband to have no fear 
they're going to happen again. <laughs> they're going to happen. His they was will. like, um, oh, I don't know. You said you're kind of familiar with, with the area, but it's at the Mansfield, like the Mansfield Reformatory, where there was a movie recorded there. It was like mm. in, incarceration. That's what the that's what the concert is called. Sounds mm. like a sounds like a black metal concert. Yeah, speed metal concert. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. We listen so, to that. So, um, so I I gotta ask you a little bit more about the book. So you wrote okay. play yay. I did about yes. your kids yes. or about one of your children, yes. uh, I should say, but there's more to it than that. It's just not a, it's not just a book about your kid. It's actually a book for kids and very centric to education and what you feel is important in a classroom. So tell us a little bit more about that, please. Absolutely. So in the book, it is based off of a kid like, kind of talking to his parents about how he can use his imagination. So there's a cardboard box and there's like all these things that he can do with this cardboard box, but it's kind of like, come and play with me. Like, let's see where, where we can go with this cardboard box. So um, that's one of my big beliefs in, in education and in life is that play is so important. And I've been doing research, more research about like the beginnings of play and like the science behind play. And mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of interesting things that even like with like animals, like you notice that if you have more than one animal, like it's almost like they're, they're constantly fighting or making noise or doing these things. And like, there's really reasons in their brain, like why, like they're learning by doing that. So if like mm -hmm. the, the parents are, you know, playing rough with the puppy, like they're actually teaching it like boundaries and, and different things because it's an, an animal thing. And it's the same with humans, like mm -hmm. humans brains, like, especially before the age of five are so susceptible to not only the great benefits of play, but also if they're not given those opportunities to explore like with their hands and they're not given like the experience of, you know, grass on their feet and they're not introduced to all of these um, sensory needs that, that little kids really benefit from. And so sometimes if kids don't get those inputs, like if they don't crawl on carpet or, or they don't get those benefits of play in early stages, you'll kind of see that behavior later on in the mm -hmm. classroom as you're teaching kids. So um, sometimes there'll be um, interventions for kids like mm -hmm. OT and PT. Mm -hmm. You see a lot of their strategies come from play. And so if you've ever had a kid who, who uh, qualifies for those in the classroom and you get a chance to watch, like I, we had phenomenal OT mm. and PT and speech therapists in our building. And when you get the opportunity to talk with them and say like, okay, I have a kid that, that has this and you know, what could we do? And you really right. listen or you get a chance to watch them. It pretty much everything is all based on play. Mm -hmm. And I know like we're, my kids like video games. They do. They like TV shows, they like video games, like iPads, they like tap, but they also have a balance of other mm -hmm. things as well. Um, and so like making sure that parents also have the education, especially in early childhood, that 
there are other things and they're really easy and inexpensive things right. to have like like sand out in mm -hmm. in a bucket in your yard and water play and just things that they can do safely and effectively with their kids just like reading every day with your kids is important um play every day is important right. well and i think that's that's so huge and you talk about that early childhood piece and and I get on my soapbox and talk about universal pre-K and all those important things, but I think you're right. I think that that those kids having that access to, pray, to play teaches them so many different social skills, so many different things like your OT and your PT are gonna end up doing with kids that maybe are missing those things. Kids can get those things, but I would agree with you that you're, if you're in any school, your OT, your PT, and, if, and your speech path, um, and, and at my school, I'm very lucky to have a full-time speech path, um, um, and, and she's a phenomenal and amazing woman. In fact, I'm so amazing that she went off to be a, a district position to help other people. And I, and we've hired a new person that's also going to be equally amazing, but I think you're right. I think those people can, I think for gen ed teachers, you should definitely tap into those people. Yes. And I have a, a blog, um, a monthly blog post coming out with the Teach Better team. It's called Play Better and it actually comes out on July 22nd, the same day as my Play A Baby Talk book. And something that I mentioned in this blog post without giving it completely away is the benefits of play like on stress and mm. kind of just relating it to our whole like um, quarantine and COVID and how even like me as I told you guys, I love to read. And when I was in this like high stress, like trying to figure out online learning and all that stuff, right. like it was almost impossible for me to pick up a like a book that I would finish. And I'm a fast reader. My husband always right. says, you read so fast. How did you finish that? But I had a hard time getting through it because my brain just wasn't able to take that stress level and, okay. and, and let me kind of explore something that normally would be a piece of cake for me. Right. So like some of the things um, that kind of like eased our, our worries and stuff during our COVID time, I don't know about you guys, but like music, art, mm -hmm. like you saw a ton, like Mo Willems did that. Um, right. Lunchtime drawing, doodling, um, music was very soothing. You know, there were online concerts when you couldn't go to those concerts. Um, some of those other things, um, Animal Crossing, I don't know if right. you guys play video games, but Animal Crossing topped the charts of oh, like yeah. of any video game. Um, way more money than they could have expected because it right. was like it was just something that you could do to kind of take your mind right. off of what was happening on a stress level. So imagine these kids who have this high toxic stress throughout their entire lives. Right. And then you put them in a classroom. And they're expected to kind of peel back those layers mm -hmm. and put information in and become readers and writers and do math problems all while holding on mm -hmm. to this stress level. And so when you take that play and you put it into classrooms, imagine that soothing quality that can have, like, think about how that made you feel better. If you had the music and the art and the mm -hmm. play and the video, you know, when you have those things, it kind of put you at ease. If you put those in classrooms, it's going to do the same thing for those right. kids in trauma. When I, and I kind of wonder about an unintended consequence of this whole thing, and this is totally anecdotal, but what I saw was I noticed 
in in the neighborhood and and i'm very fortunate that i live in the neighborhood where my school is and and i would see families out i saw way more kids out with their parents on walks i saw way more kids riding bikes and doing all these things and and yeah definitely people are playing video games doing all that stuff right but i kind of feel like there was this collective kind of like everybody calm down and just right. relax a little bit and and unfortunately there's some economic hardships for families and, and, and that's horrible. But I, I think in some ways there might've been some benefits to everybody kind of just being stuck at home and you just kind of like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. It, I, it definitely will be. And I, I do know that like for the first time, like in my kids' lives, besides summer months, like constantly busy as a teacher mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like having that balance as a teacher and a mom and Right. We're involved in everything. My son loves sports and, right. you know, I do extra things. And so right. it was this, like, this, this gift of time that we had together. And we did a lot of the things. Like we mm-hmm. went on walks together. We went down to the Creek. That's just down the road from our house. We looked at rocks. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like things right. that, that were just like a slowing down of, right. of things, but noticing how just some time in the yard and swinging and Mm -hmm. those things like it really did ease it and and once you know when we were all kind of stuck inside we were longing for that that walk around the block Mm -hmm. or anything that we could do safely that was together and out of the house right right so what would you suggest to teachers then in order to have them encourage their students to be more active in play whether it's in the quote-unquote normal classroom or whatever school is going to look like here in the fall? Well, I think that there's a lot of safety measures that we're going to have to look at in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of the things that I, that we usually do, I will, I'm still planning on doing because I know that they're great for kids, but we'll just have to do it in a modified way. But like every Friday we have STEM bin Fridays and that's something the kids like even in quarantine, the parents would send me remind messages and like it's STEM bin Friday and they'd show me like their kids creation. And so I'm thinking of like little school boxes, like even for the older kids, middle schoolers would like this too. What little school boxes, the plastic ones that are filled with like their individual Legos, if people will donate Mm -hmm. them to your class. I know, um, I had a Lego club um, for the past three years um, at my school and I just volunteered my time. It was totally free. Um, I just did a session with K1 and then two, three. And I usually did it in January and February, like those winter months where, Mm -hmm. you know, nobody can get outside. There's no real sports going on. And so that, that ended up being a good time. But I'm just thinking like if we individualize, put those in the, in the small containers, but I mean, the sad part about that is then it kind of takes away from the sharing, like some of those social skills that you can also teach during that time. But um, I'm just thinking like, how can we put those things into a place that could be easily cleaned and, you know, they're kind of, it's still in their own space. But Legos, I mean, I'm always for Legos. Anything that's like building material, if you watch kids in classrooms, even older kids, like, they're fiddling with something because it's a natural thing. Like they're, you know, stacking their pens or they're, you know, doing the, 
I still do it. I, I'm just, yeah, if you do a P, if you have a PD and I'm in your PD and there are desks, I'm going to find something in that desk to play with. I'm just telling right? Just yeah, turn the desk absolutely. around. Just do it before you have to come into proximity on me. I'm that person. You know, um, we did get a, a bunch of fidgets in the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, I do some donors choose projects. Also, like my local um, city schools foundation and mm -hmm. our community foundation are great about um, having grants, mini grants. And so a lot of times I'm doing either for fidgets or science or something hands-on for kids or right. books because can have too many books um, awesome. but those fidgets that are like you can get them on Amazon but they have a little marble inside mm -hmm. and you can just move the marble back and forth like in this little wesh, mesh wire thing it's mm -hmm. amazing I'm like yeah I'll have I'll have a couple of those and hold some them just, some kids just Sarah buddy that. that's also awesome. oh yeah so as we're wrapping things up here, Brianne, I know you mentioned your socials a little bit, but could you remind us again of your, uh, how yeah. people can connect with you? Absolutely. So I'm at play yay on Twitter and then it, you can find me at play yay on Facebook as well. And, um, at play yay author on Instagram. Awesome. And then you can find that new play better blog on teach on the teach better team website. Oh, sweet. So we'll put that, we'll definitely put those in our show notes so people can connect with those things. Cause that's, I think that's awesome that, that, you know, um, not only you have a book kind of with your kids in it, that's super cool, but then it's also going to help other teachers and other educators with that, with that. Cause I, I think you're right. I think, I think play is, is so important. And I think we're going to find as we move forward with this, um, and, and, and we think about trauma and those kind of things, like how are we going to address um, maybe some, some trauma that's not, we don't know about, you know, kids are going to come. We don't know what kids are going to come with. It's going to be a whole new world when we, when we come back. So I think that's important to have those things in our toolbox. Absolutely. So thank you. Right, Brian, thank you so much for joining yes. us. It was a pleasure talking to you for the last little bit. I know it was, it was really fun okay. and it did go fast. Yes. So definitely. If you want to keep this conversation going and share some of your thoughts on the topic, you can email us at info at beeredupodcast.com. You can tweet us using that hashtag beeredupod. Hit us up on the Facebook. We got people right now, Facebook Live watching. So you can definitely follow us on Facebook. Um, you know, follow us on Instagram at beeredupod. Um, and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and that's at bit.ly slash beer edu tube, YouTube, which I'll get right eventually. And then also be sure to follow Brianna on all her social media platforms. Um, and then you can also send us a voice message using the anchor app and then please leave us a review on iTunes, um, store, you know, where, where, or wherever you get this podcast. And then Kyle, what if they want to be a guest? You can be a guest on the show just like Brianne by visiting our website, www.beeredupodcast.com. Click on the contact and subscription info link, and we have a guest form there. Complete yes. that, and we will be in touch to get you on the show as well. Yeah, so definitely hit us up. We would love to have you on the show. So, Brianne, we'd love to have you stay for a little bit longer. We're going to uh, do our Learn About Beer segment. And, Kyle, what do you have for us this week? This one, we talked about it a little bit last week in our Bach episode. Um, I mentioned the Hellas Lager and yes. said that we had to go back and touch up on that one. And that's what we got. We got the 
Hellas Lager this week. So this one's relatively quick because this one's pretty darn simple. So okay. um, I called this one the ultimate lawnmower beer because basically Hellas translates from German to either bright or pale. And okay. it's referring to the color of the beer. So you're talking about a pretty standard, straight up fizzy yellow lager from Germany is what a Hellas lager is. <laughs> so they are full bodied. They're mildly sweet. They're light in color. They're very low in their bitterness. They're four and a half to 6% ABV. Um, they don't have as much hop flavor than your typical Pilsners that um, okay. many people tend to enjoy. They're a lighter version of that standard Bach that we talked about last week on episode 77. Um, and a lot of great examples out there. So you've got Lowenbrau, you've got Spotten, and you've got the Hofferhaus München originals. Those are all, yeah, yeah. high-quality German examples. I, um, I will say that is like, my wife does not like beer, but when we're in Munich, she definitely liked that. Yeah, just a, And they come in steins this big. Yeah, I've, <laughs> ne I've never been to Germany. I've been to the Hofferhaus so, in Las Vegas, and while I heard it's not as good as the one in Munich... Um, I highly enjoy that liter beer of just that standard original oh, Hellas so lager that you can get. So their Dunkelweissen is really good too. And yes. giant uh, Stein too. So, but the American craft brewers have been uh, toying around with these now for a few years too. Sam Adams has their fresh as Hellas, uh, okay. Hellas lager. Yes. Um, Maui bikini blonde lager is another good one. Firestone okay. Walker, nice Southern California, right. Central Coast beer. They got their Firestone Lager as a good example. Uh, Reno Local, they've got the uh, Great Basin Bavarian Hellas yep. uh, is a very good one. And then recently, there's a new brewery that opened up in Las Vegas called the Mad Fermentist. Okay. And I actually know the head brewer there. I, I worked with him in the homebrew club here in Las Vegas when I would judge competitions years ago, and it's his place. And he is brewing one right now, a Hellas lager called Dynamic Equilibrium that I asked him how much honey he put in the, the batch because of the sweetness on it. Right. And he said, I didn't put a drop of honey in it. It's from the yeast. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, so and, it's the uh, natural sugars then. Okay. Yeah. He, um, that Weinstefan brewery yeah. out of Germany, he gets their yeast to brew his wow. beer with. And uh, wow. all of that sweetness and that honey flavor that I was picking up in this beer was actually from that yeast. He didn't put any honey in it. So, all right. Yeah. Cool. So just awesome. like you said, that was a quick one. Um, but yeah, that's the Hellas Lager. Real, real good awesome. summertime uh, lawnmower yeah. style beer. And I, I think people would not realize they probably have had many people have had one. They just didn't know what it was. Right. So there's, so. Like you said, there's a lot of breweries doing that one. Yeah. Like I said, if if you tend to drink more of like the standard American lagers, um, these are very similar but to me right. they they just have more flavor because um, they do. The, the american lagers because of the rice that they tend to use mm -hmm. uh kind of takes away some of the flavors whereas these are uh more straight up uh using only those four ingredients that beer is supposed to have oh yeah perfect awesome well hey brian thank you so much for being on the show we really appreciate it thank you for having me guys it was great Absolutely. All right, we'll look for your and new book and the blog post is coming out and then check out your other books. You can get those on Amazon. So we'll have a link in the show notes for those. And listeners, next up coming along will be episode 79. Yes. So look forward to that one with another great guest here coming up. And thank you again for listening as always. And until next time, may the vaults and the hops be with you. Right on. Right on.